Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are listening to Civic Cipher. Yes, indeed. Um, be sure to stick around because we are going to be talking about some fun stuff today. Um, relatively speaking, um, we had a very interesting uh, trip that we went on recently where we were able to experience some things that we knew about of course but experience them up close and in person and then we got a chance to experience some things we didn't know about at all and uh, what i'm referring to is we had a chance to visit the national museum of african-american history and culture in washington dc and so uh for today's episode we will be uh outlining uh, our trip there and kind of explaining to you everything that we saw there well not everything but what we saw and really what we took away from that there was a lot of people there um, having a similar experience a shared experience and so uh, we thought I, I think pretty early on into the trip like okay we're gonna have to do a, a an episode dedicate an episode to just this very thing so um, today is that day um, and also we have uh, something that we want to share with you in our Way Black History Fact uh, about a gentleman named Benjamin Banneker, um, who was one of the folks that helped design Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Wow. Um, and uh, actually a very prominent player in kind of the way the nation's capital is laid out. Um, and uh, there's a lot of really um, really cool stuff about him that we're going to get to. And of course he was black. So we're excited to share that with you as well and plenty of other things. But first and foremost, uh, today we're going to talk about Ebony Excellence as always first. How's that sound to you, Q? Shall we? We shall. So today's Ebony Excellence is sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly Media. And we are going to shout out a group of folks. It's a little different for us. Uh, this group of folks um all come together at a location so we're going to shout out the location norfolk state university one time for norfolk state university norfolk state university uh an, an example of ebony excellence is if we've ever seen it uh for those that don't know uh, norfolk state university is an hbcu or historically black college and university uh, we had a chance to um, check them out in virginia uh, and, and shout out to Wowie FM, W-O-W-I, uh, out there in uh, VA as well. But we had a chance to go to Norfolk State and hang out with uh, Braxton and Khadija and Kathy and, and Maynard and Latif and uh, uh, ProShot. And I, I don't know her name, but everybody kept calling her light skin. And uh, uh, Dominique Garcia, all these all these wonderful, amazing people. Uh, building an environment and a, and a framework for the next generation of black leaders and allies and indeed intelligent people because on the campus although it's an HBCU not all the students were black not all the teachers were black it was a you know a historically black college and university but a place where black people are centered and black um, stories are are centered and and taught and the facilities are amazing 
Uh, the campus is amazing and the people are amazing and I love the work that they're doing. Q loves the work that they're doing and we wanted to make sure that we shouted all those folks out. So shout out again to uh, all the folks at Norfolk State. So um, this museum, the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. I wouldn't be mad at you if you haven't heard of it because many people aren't into museums uh, and you know all of our listeners we don't have a station in DC yet it's coming very soon but um, if, if you're hearing my voice there's a good chance you don't live anywhere near DC and uh, so well, if you're listening in Norfolk you're actually pretty close oh well I guess if you're in Norfolk yeah again shout out to Wowie um, but you know many folks still don't make it to you know, uh, a museum like this. And, you know, one of the things that we saw while we were in DC was uh, a building, and this is going to be funny to cue, but we saw a building and kind of engraved into the side of this extremely prominent, well-fortified building. Massive. Read the well words. Well-fortified building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it read, you know, uh, the National Archives of the United States of America. And I remember thinking, what a statement what a thing to say, what a building, you know, just think of all the history, the national archives are in this, in this one building. Well, the national museum of African-American history and culture kind of serves a similar purpose for black people in this country. Um, and again, we're very fortunate enough to be invited out. Um, and, the reason we want you to know about our journey is because it was very moving. So as I mentioned, when we first got there, uh, let me paint a picture for you. So the building is kind of modeled after sort of a, a crown, right? It looks almost like a crown or that this is kind of what the design was supposed to be. Um, I want to say it's maybe five stories but the way the tour works, the way you're supposed to experience the museum is you start in the basement, right? And they're very intentional with that too. Sure, sure. So go ahead with that. So the, it, it kind of takes you down into the, the bowels of the museum. It's a, it's a figurative, figurative and literal experience as you're going down into this place this big massive building starts to feel a lot smaller. And and the reason for that is, so they're very intentional about this. Mm -hmm. They will uh, rope off the basement section. They have a long stairwell that goes down. They'll rope it off until um, enough people have kind of congregated waiting to go in. And then they'll remove the rope so everyone can go in. Now, while, it, while you're waiting, uh, there's like a stairwell that kind of takes you down a bit further. And I remember and there's an elevator you can take too, but we took the stairs. The stairs, right. And we're waiting with everybody. And there's a wall and the wall is kind of backlit. And um, I, I I want you to go, I want you to see this for yourself, but on the wall there's pictures of, of uh, prominent events in, in black history in this country. But there is a photograph eye level of Emmett Till. And he's looking right at you and his, you know, he never got to grow up. For those that know the story, we've 
discussed the story here on the show. If you don't know the story, please look up the story of Emmett Till. Um, but if, you know, if you don't know, he never got to grow up. So he's a forever 14 year old and you see his face and it's eye level. And I, I remember the uh, feeling of wanting to reach out and touch his face. Um, and you start to feel the, the, the weight of the experience that you're about to have. The, the, it starts to get smaller as Q mentioned. So we're going down. We have our moment with him until like, oh man, this is going to be intense. There's lots of photos there, but that was the one that we kind of focused in on. We get down. Now there's a group of us waiting to go in, right? So finally, when there's enough of us, they open the rope and we all pour into the bowels of the museum. And in the bowels of the museum, it starts with black history in Africa and the slave trade, right? So the, the um, closeness of all the bodies huddled together, walking into this tiny space, you start to kind of get a sense of what it might have been like to be in a slave ship. It's very dark down there. It's not uncomfortable, but it's, 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 it it's, helps. It's intimate. Right. And it helps kind of. And we're going to keep using this word intentional because it is the best word to describe right. the way that the museum is set up. You're in a very, very close proximity with essentially strangers and very, very soon into this journey you find yourself having conversations you have to you find yourself sharing spaces and this kind of feeling of stranger and i think in normal times in a space like that people would be uncomfortable but in a different way because this was uncomfortable mm -hmm. but it wasn't uncomfortable in an unfamiliar way again it did not feel like we were now oh my god trapped in this room with strangers it's like everyone in the room collectively took inventory of what we were learning and what we were seeing. Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of start really emotionally depending on each other. Like that's, that's the right way to say it. So you're in with this, what, maybe 30, 40 people, something like that, you know, Probably a little more because I'm, I'm okay. picturing this several groups of people that were around us, the mm -hmm. conversations that we had with this young lady and these two young ladies and this family and this couple, maybe 50 people. Okay. Right. So 50 folks. Right. And you walk in and again, you don't know anyone, but you see people start walking through our intention when Q and I got there was to spend 10 minutes just kind of taking it in. We had to go see the whole museum. So maybe 30 minutes, something like that to see just, you know, the each level spend 30 minutes and we're on the, on, on our way. And it's not that kind of party. Absolutely not. You're Even in there. If you try this, it doesn't work that way. Um, if you're a human being with a beating heart and you find yourself in the bottom of this museum, you will be changed. Uh, you see people. I saw people black as I am. I saw people, Asian people, white people having human moments, crying, people trying to educate their children, people, you know what I mean? Yeah. The number and of, of course people there with their kids was, that was probably the most inspiring part because again, not black people, people for whom <laughs> a certain uh, faction of our country would have you believe were not emotionally or mentally equipped to see or learn about this stuff. Mm. So parents of those children going out of their way to make sure, okay, if they're not going to teach you, 
I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. And then there's a place to learn it. And, and it's, and, and I, I'm going to tell you about it, of course, but I, I'm, I want to make sure you understand it's, it's heavy, but it's beautiful. Hmm. We're going to talk about some heavy stuff, right? But the reason why this isn't a normal show where we are, we're talking about heavy stuff and that's just it. This is heavy, but it's beautiful. Because the, the way they've designed the museum, I guess, again, everything is intentional. So let me, let me continue. So you're down here, you're kind of maneuvering about, and there's exhibits on the walls, right? This is called, uh, the journey toward freedom. And it's, it's the 15th through the 21st centuries. Um, this is the exhibit, uh, in the, uh, bottom of the museum. One of the things that you notice right away is there's literally writing on the wall of all of the slave ship uh, manifests that they have records of. And it's, that was something that was very difficult for me to see. It's, it's, I, I think that for me, I have a, I have a, an, it, how do I say this? When you think back to a person that died, before you were alive it's it's something it's almost like a number it's, it's it's not a real thing there was an interesting moment when i noticed you noticing mm -hmm. those yeah where i didn't understand what i so i'm watching Ramses. i'm in a, a separate part of the same room and i look over and i notice that Ramses is troubled and i can't really wrap my head around specifically why except in this room there are so many things that can yeah. grasp you emotionally so him looking at words etched into the wall, I didn't know what about that specifically made him emote in that way, but I just knew that there was something. And then when I went over to join him and understood what he was showing me, it took about 10 minutes to just pause yeah. and mentally reconcile with what we were reading. Sure, sure. So, so paint, a, paint a picture of, okay, okay. of what Thank exactly you for that. We're, we're reading. So, so watch this. You go into this room and it's, it's a museum. So there's exhibits, there's, you know, documents, there's books, there's papers, there's uh, ch slave chains, all this sort of stuff. And almost as an afterthought, it's not the main exhibit. There's nothing that calls attention to it. It's just kind of sitting there in the shadows. If you make your way to it, are these manifests of the ships. And they're in tiny little lettering and there's so many, they're all over the walls. They're not written in big letters that draw your eye and you have to look for them again. And the manifests, uh, say the ship name, the country of origin of the ship, uh, the date that the ship set sail, how many enslaved boarded, hmm. how many survived. That's actually the category enslaved boarded slash survived. And that number slave slaves boarded slash survived. The, the second number is always lower. The second the number is lower in 100% of the ships. Yeah. And so we, we talk about slavery. We talk about, um, uh, Jim Crow. We talk about black codes. We talk about, you know, the, the history in this country. We talk about, 
um, uh, Rosewood. We talk about, you know, Black Wall Street. We talk about um, all this stuff, right? But the middle passage is what happened to human beings before they even made it to the shores. And, and I know that we haven't spent time discussing this because... And that's not unique to us. There's not a lot of time spent on the middle passage, period. Yeah. Right. The, the, the history kind of starts with slaves arriving here. Right. And there's an understanding that they came from Africa, but the journey from from there to here, it doesn't get much narrative. It doesn't get much color. It doesn't get much context. So watch this. To me, seeing this, it let me know exactly what it means to have our ancestors be commodified because they assumed not all of the enslaved would would finish the journey and these little uh manifest numbers are uh flanked by exhibits that showed how slaves were rounded up and it shows how slaves were packed into the um the ships and you know, a little bit further along, there's a, a, a more prominent quote. I think you have to like get into the second or third room pane of glass behind which all the exhibits and the things that you're supposed to look at um, are, are sitting. Mm -hmm. And this pane of glass says, here, go ahead and read it. Negroes are a perishable commodity. When you have an opportunity, dispose of them for gold. Uh, and this guy's name is, um, I think it's Humphrey Morse. Yeah, I was, I was going to not say it, but anyway, uh, and Q took that picture. He was actually showing me on the phone. I know you can't see us, um, in the studio right now, but and that quote is from 1730. Oh, uh, actually I have it, uh, the photo myself, but, oh, wow. but anyway, um, so immediately you get you, or at least for me, I got the sense of, whoa, whoa. You know, this is not Mark Twain and Huckleberry Finn, uh, where, you know, these folks are friends, you know, they're, they're just happen to own us. This is like, no, you are literally property. You own, you exist to, you know, we're, we're trying to make money off of you or avoid work or whatever the case is, whatever their intentions were, motivations were for uh, the slave trade. And, um, it's 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 it, it makes your stomach turn you know we weren't none of us were comfortable down there but again a bright moment it was seeing other human beings have human experiences that were not black you know i could be down there all day and feel the weight of that and feel awful for people that live harsh lives and died sh uh very short and were thrown overboard into the water fed to the sharks because they couldn't survive that journey or because they were whipped or made an example of or whatever to, you know, keep the rebellions from happening. But the manifest where it would say like 179 slaves boarded the ship and 83 survived the journey, you start to realize the amount of uh, life lost at that point. Um, there are some other things. Uh, these things were chronicled. Uh, there's a person that I read about in the... Uh, maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. This is a uh, an argument for critical race theory because I'm sure that his book would be <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, attacked and and 
um, challenged in terms of its um, its value, its educational value. But a man named Oluda Equiano was a, a black man. Actually, I'll, I'll read from the exhibit. Uh, he was born a free African in the Benin region of Western Africa, son of a community leader. Equiano was kidnapped from his homeland and sold into slavery. He secured his freedom and went on to write a compelling personal account of his life. His story of sorrow, brutality, and resilience offered a deeper understanding of the human cost of the slave trade and helped to mobilize opinion against it. And they have um, a, a book of his uh, from, I'm not sure when this book um, was printed, but it's like a very old book in, in the exhibit. Um, and it was called The uh, Interesting Narrative. And that actually was the book that I had to read. I think it was like the fourth grade. Um, so, you know, we're walking through the museum. Uh, the next part is the human cost. Uh, the average lifespan of enslaved Africans who worked on colonial sugar and rice plantations was seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, extreme physical demands relied on equally extreme instruments of torture to ensure control over enslaved peoples and protect plantation profits. Enslaved Africans were denied human dignity and the benefits of the economies and societies they built for others. Um, so yes, so we're walking through, you know, um, and there's, you know, things like this on the wall, things, you know, documents, um, uh, books, instruments, uh, weapons, uh, chains, all this sort of stuff. Shackles. Shackles. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, and then, you know, we're maybe like halfway through and I see another one of those manifest numbers. Uh, this is a ship that came from France. The voyage began on 12-10-1730. It started with 170 enslaved uh, who boarded the ship, the ship and then uh, one who survived. So um, 169 people lost their life on or after uh, December 10th, 1730. And those were black people because they had been commodified. So um, that one hit different. And can you imagine being the one that survived? The, the trauma that you're taking with you, you know, who, who knows? Um, but one of the things that also started to emerge as we're traveling through the bowels of this museum, because it's, it's, it's in chronological order. So we're going from, you know, the 1500s, 1700s, 1800s, you know, on uh, through the American history throughout the museum. But we get to a point where it's time to. Uh, it's, it's around the time of the American Revolution um, and the American Revolution, of course, is when America fought for um, independence hmm. from Britain. And uh, Crispus Attucks was the first person to die on that. Then there's a they they dedicate a lot to um, telling his story as well. But there's another quote that stood out in this museum. It says, um, "It always appeared a most iniquitous scheme to me. Fight ourselves for what we are daily robbing and plundering from those who have a right to freedom as we have." It's a quote from Abigail Adams, a white woman, who thought it was strange that Americans were fighting for their freedom while uh, enslaving 
uh, Africans. Um, and then that kind of sort of like kind of spit you off into the um, next part of the uh, museum. So now we're past the uh, the part of the uh, middle passage, <laughs> and there's a, a huge um, exhibit. Uh, it's called the Paradox of Liberty, right? And there are statues of the founding fathers. And on the wall, the wall goes up maybe three, four stories. And it's the Declaration of Independence. And it's there, it's like metal letters um, etched into the wall. Or, or And but, before we actually get to the statues above the platform, the platform itself has an inscription. That inscription reads, the paradox of the American Revolution, the fight for liberty in an era of widespread slavery embedded in the foundation of the United States. The tension between slavery and freedom, who belongs and who is excluded, resonates through the nation's history and spurs the American people to wrestle constantly with building a more perfect union. This paradox was embedded in national institutions that are still vital today. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more. <laughs> 